Welcome to the Breaking HR Podcast, where we wrestle with employment challenges for entrepreneurs, business leaders, and HR professionals. Here are your hosts, Jesse and Nathan. Welcome to the Breaking HR Podcast. I'm Jesse. And I'm Nathan. And welcome to the show. And we're really, really excited to have Brianna on our show. And Brianna, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. By way of introduction, do you want to just begin with telling us a little bit about your day-to-day work and what you do? So I am the head of HR at Orange Theory Fitness Canada. Um, So my role is really interesting. Orange Theory Fitness is franchised. So I work for a couple groups of companies. I work for OTF Canada. We are the master franchisor for Canada. So with that, it's more of like the corporate side of things. I uh, do all the like strategic HR planning. I do resources and templates for our franchisees. Always got to be careful for joint employer, but I do my best to uh, do resources and education for them. And then the other part of my job is I oversee, lack of better words, our corporately owned locations. So we have 30 locations across Canada, in Ontario, BC, Saskatchewan, and Edmonton. So I oversee like the full kind of HR for all of that. And that's like the nitty gritty stuff all the way up to the strategy. My team is very small, but we do lots of really great things. So that's my job in a bit of a nutshell. But yeah, it's always fun. Keeps me on my toes. I love the industry so much and the people I work with. You're part of a couple different uh, groups as well. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yes. I like to stay busy and I'm very driven by community. So I do a couple of things. I have been part of the organization Kids Up Front for almost a year now. I sit on their board of directors and really just provide HR guidance and direction to the executive team of Kids Up Front. So that's lots of fun. And then I'm one of the main organizers for an event called Disrupt HR. I've been doing that for maybe five years now. So it's been a while, but uh, yeah, the event is so much fun and um, just like the energy in the room during our Disrupt events is what I literally live for. So what is Disrupt HR? What Disrupt HR is, is we have 10 to 15 speakers, usually each event. We do two events a year and the speakers have five minutes and 20 slides to tell us something that sparks an idea or is maybe you know up and coming in the industry or challenges us to change the way that we're thinking about something that's happening in the people in HR world. The slides change automatically. I was a speaker once and they change every 20 seconds, I think. And it's a lot of pressure, but it's not, it's a lot of fun. And I've learned a loss from it. And more than anything, I've connected with lots of great people from it. So it's just a community of people that are trying to disrupt the industry. We weren't allowed to do virtual events during COVID. So I thought it was just on hiatus. I didn't know that that was, oh. No, no, we weren't allowed to host anything. So we didn't for about a year and a half. And then we had our last event in this past November. And it was so much fun. I heard great reviews from that one. So Nathan, you'll have to make the trek up. I'm a hermit, so I don't do networking. But uh, strangely enough, that's obviously how Nathan and I met. It's how anyone really meets Jesse. <laughs> that's fair. I definitely like I'm an extroverted introvert. So like I love those events. But after I go to a Disrupt HR event, I need like three weeks where I don't see anyone or talk to anyone. <laughs> Just decompress, right? I do love networking, getting out there, but afterwards, I'm just, I'm done. Like, I'm, that sounds really cool. Though. That sounds exciting. And I can go, I can attend as a non HR person. Oh, yeah. It's for business leaders, HR people, people in like the tech space who maybe have something that can relate to our industry. So we get tons of different people. It's so much fun. Jesse, we're going to go. <laughs> All right, listeners, we'll be back after a short word from our sponsor. As HR pros, 
We all know how many different hats we wear and how many different tasks we juggle every day. From hiring to compensation to employer brand to tech, modern HR pros are expected to be experts at everything that keeps the business humming. What if you could offload one responsibility and gain more time for your business? That's where Sterling Capital Brokers steps in. Sterling, the largest independent benefits brokerage in Canada, is transforming the way you manage your team's insurance benefits. By automating benefits administration and reporting through integration with your HRIS and payroll systems, they simplify your workload and give you the time back to focus on other things. Plus, Sterling's hands-on support means they take on claims admin and questions for your team, saving you hours every week. And in many cases, saving the need for additional headcount. Best of all, as an independent brokerage, Sterling can provide your team with a confidential second opinion on your benefits. It's all about finding tailored solutions that serves your team's needs. Visit sterlingcapitalbrokers.com to discover how 60,000 Canadian HR pros trust Sterling to give them the freedom to focus on their business while they handle benefits. Okay, so I actually, I'm really curious about what it's like to manage people across, a, number one, a large national organization, but also the structure of corporate head office and as well franchise. And how does your role change between those three kinds of people? It changes drastically depending on who I'm talking to. If I'm talking to a franchisee, it's very consultative. I have to be really careful of what I say because of joint employer issues that can come up. So super consultative. I do my best to support them absolutely the best I can. And, you know, we've developed lots of resources to help them. So it's usually pointing them in that direction or they have like business consultants that they work with too. So sometimes I have to go through them, but very consultative if I'm talking to them. When I'm working with our corporate team, so our corporate team is pretty small. We're only like 30 people. Again, like we're a small team that's doing quite a bit, but a lot of that job is like coaching our senior managers helping them through, you know, any situations that they're dealing with. But oftentimes it's just like strategizing things that we can roll out to our our network. I would say like there's not a ton of coaching in that role. It's more like strategy and projects and like big rollouts that we do. And then when I go to our corporate studios, that's like tons of coaching, employee relations, recruitment, like that's more of like the full cycle HR, whereas the rest of it's more like project management and consulting. I want to ask you more about the partnership stuff. I know that's something that really, I think, is critical today with HR and how it interacts with the other areas of the business. And I think that's growing and growing. Like, what do you coach your team? And, and like, how do you take part in that coaching? Like you said, in some areas of the business, you do more than others. Like, how do you like to coach and be coached, actually? I am a big fan of like one-to-one coaching. So, you know, anything that's one-on-one, I think is super effective. I love difficult conversations so much. And I think that when they're approached properly, they almost always end up being a positive conversation. So I love coaching our senior leaders on how to have difficult conversations in a way that is productive and positive for everyone. We just need to treat people like adults here, like put on your adult pants and treat each other like adults. And so that's very much so my approach with whether that's my, uh, you know, studio managers coaching their team at the front line, or if it's my corporate team that I'm coaching, it's very much so like, okay, this is an adult that you're dealing with. And like, let's really talk through this situation and see what works for them and whatever life situations they might be going through. And then also supports our organization. Like there is always a happy medium. So it's just about structuring that conversation to be positive. 
How do I like to be coached? I'm pretty direct. I like when people just uh, give it to me. I don't need the fluff, but I think that you, when you're coaching someone, you have to be really cognizant of who it is you're talking to and how they want to receive that feedback. So that's not how I give feedback. That's how I like to receive feedback though. So that's important to distinguish that because often we deal with other people the way we want to be dealt with, but having to switch gears and understand somebody's way that they need to receive it will ultimately get the best out of a person, I think, in the end, but not everyone can do that. You, you also mentioned empathy in your, your thing. So maybe unpack that a bit with empathy. How does that come into play with coaching as well as with just dealing with difficult situations? I think that empathy is something that we just need to carry through everything that we do in life. For me, it's just like a way of being. It's just a way that we have to learn how to live. Empathy is being able to listen to what someone's saying to you and not listen to craft a response, but listen to understand what they're saying. It's very different. Coaching managers who are really frustrated with their employees because, you know, they've missed a shift or whatever it is has happened. It's being able to coach them through like, okay, let's take a step back here and try to understand what might be happening in that person's life and how we're going to approach the conversation so that they understand that ultimately we're trying to run a business, but you're a human and we're going to support you. So it's just being able to approach things from the perspective of like, how can I try to understand and put myself in the shoes of this person to come up with a resolution that works for everyone here and supports the organization for sure, but supports this human. I love that. And I think that world of gray is so, I think when you first start in HR, it's so tricky, right? Because you're trying to please everybody. And you just can't, but you want to connect. Like you said, you said it so well about like doing the best you can for that person in that situation and working within the areas, within the policies, whatever it is to make sure that it works the best that you can. And sadly, you can't please everybody, but you can do your best. Right. And I think that's the empathy you're talking about is trying to do your best to connect with them on that human level. It's not easy, right? It's tough. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's very tough. And empathy doesn't come naturally for everyone and trying to coach empathy into someone who it might not come natural to is it's really challenging. I was actually just thinking about my kids because I don't think empathy comes until you're much older or it comes naturally. So they'll say something like, don't say it. Like, <laughs> like you have to understand, but they're 11, seven and five. So I feel for the younger generation right now, I think it's tough to be a youth in this day and age. I'm certainly glad that I was before the time of TikTok and all the rest. Yeah, and different challenges for sure. And I mean, those obviously weave into the work we do in HR and, and just leadership as well. Like, just to digress a little bit, I remember the first time I had an employee relations issue around Snapchat. I mean, that was a while ago now. That dates me a little bit. That's okay. Now that can be TikTok. That can be like these other things. And um, actually, one of the things I'm really interested to talk more about is um, the chat GPT. Because that's something Nathan and I, we've, we've chatted a little bit about. And I think back and forth in the emails too, we were kind of like, well, how do you use it practically? And another conversation we were talking with a professor at a college and talking about how it impacts their livelihood and how like, you know, obviously making sure that everything's credible and stuff like that. So yeah, tell me a little bit more about, you know, chat GPT and how you might use it as something to make your life easier. Start by saying, I do not recommend anyone uses chat GPT for like legal reasons or to like, you know, create a project and use whatever it's saying as a final product. Like it's a tool, not the be all end all. So I am very pro automating anything that helps me to quickly get through a monotonous task that takes away from me doing something that actually matters. For example, 
I will write an email and uh, sometimes I'll say like, can you write this a little bit better? And it'll just clean up a few words. And I'm like, oh, great. That sounds so much better. Like, why am I going to spend five more minutes or 10 more minutes trying to like craft this to be perfect when I could just put it in there? And usually what it gives me is pretty good. And I'll use it to whenever I'm doing like mass emails to lots of people to correct my grammar, just to make sure that's like my biggest fear ever is having grammatical errors or spelling errors in these big emails that are going out. So I use it for that. We've used it a bit for translations um, and it's really good for translations because it can differentiate between like, for example, for us, like France, French versus Quebec, French. It's great for that. There are some ways that you can really use it to, again, just like automate some things that take up five minutes here and there, but help me to just use my time a little bit more wisely. So are you using strictly the chat GPT or are you using other websites that are programmed off of that? I've only explored with chat GPT. I went down a rabbit hole again, Jesse. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> Tell me more. There was a LinkedIn post and it had 47 AI sites. An example is image editing or creation of images. You can write, you know, give me an image of a person fishing. There's 47 different websites and things. Some of it's, you know, memo writing and note writing and note taking, all kinds of things. It's crazy. I saved a few of those and I'm, I'm like wanting to implement some of it because there's a lot of menial things. I think that will get automated. I think right now it's very early for it to work how we want it to, but it's very close. As Jesse was asking about it, I was highlighting it because I wanted to ask you as well. So I like that the grammar check and basic language, you can write podcast scripts on it. I wrote an HR podcast script out of it. I wrote an HR rap out of it once and I made everyone in my office read it. <laughs> you can do some fun things in there. You just, uh, one thing that I'm cognizant about is like, you don't want it to take away from human creativity. So being able to like draw a line of like, I'm not going to use this to actually create programs or policies or processes, but you can absolutely use it as a tool, as like a starting point. I think that it's really cool. I'm just dipping my toe in. There's so much you can do, but I agree. Like even just making what it gives you and just kind of flavoring it a bit, it's pretty spot on. But I noticed like going back to Nathan's point when he said, you know, he tested out with an HR podcast script, something just seemed a little off, you know, like it was just something and I couldn't put my finger on it, but it just, it wasn't, I don't know, it was good, but it's like something just is missing. And that's probably what it is. Like you're saying, you just need to craft it or work with it or wordsmith it a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, exactly. We've like played around with doing commercial ads for Orange Theory and just like, seeing what it can do. It's pretty spot on with some of the scripts that it comes up with. If you give it the right information up front, it can come up with some like pretty good stuff. So a colleague of mine started using a note-taking program. He started using this where listens to your Zoom calls, learns the tasks that have to come out of that Zoom call. What he didn't know he was doing was it automatically emails everyone on the Zoom call, your notes and all your things. So that might work okay in some cases, but we have a lot of team calls. So this is just, most of it is updates. Most of it's like, hey, where are we up to? What are our goals for the day? That kind of thing. And then a lot of the call is just BSing at the beginning, talking about who knows what. So the notes that come out of it are hilarious because they have to do with just all our like, oh, this is what I'm doing. I'm walking my dog. And it's like, would you like a reminder to walk your dog? And that's my note for the, like, you can't turn it off. I think someone finally told Adams, we were all getting emails. I'm like, this is just brutal. And yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah, it's crazy what is out there. Ladies and gentlemen, 
Welcome to Shoutouts, where we recognize the things that are making life just a little bit better. So we want to do a segment where we call it Shoutouts. It can be anything. Unfortunately, don't do what I did and shout out Audible every other week because people pick up on that <laughs> and it gets tiresome. What is something you'd like to shout out, Brianna? I'm using this as a, a bit of a plug. I already introduced that I sit on the board of directors for Kids Up Front, but that's who I wanted to shout out. They are very small, but very impactful nonprofit, and they connect youth and families to enriching experiences. So the idea of fun is often overlooked when talking about basic needs, but the UN has actually identified fun as a basic need for kids. So that's exactly what we do is we connect kids and families to those experiences of fun, um, and it really impacts quality of life. So it's a great nonprofit, and I'm really thankful to be a part of it. I just heard a TED Talk someone sent me. And it was about having more fun or making sure to have fun. Super interesting that you mentioned that. And that's really cool. You said there they focus on giving fun to kids as a basic need. What's an example of how they do that? Um, so we partner with like the Oilers, with the Elks, with cultural and arts groups across the city. And essentially, we connect them to experiences within those groups, whether that's going to an Oilers game. We actually did a huge event in December where I think it was Darnell Nurse. It could have been someone else. I can't remember. They went on a huge shopping spree with that oiler and they paid for everything. It was so cool. Yeah, we took, I think, like 300 kids and their families and they did a huge shopping spree. It was lots of fun. So cultural events. So that's like, you know, Edmonton is very well known for having tons of cultural events throughout the year. So attending those, just tons of different experiences. We do cooking segments where we'll prepare packages and they'll go through a cooking experience with a chef and yeah, helping enrich those connections, I guess, between families and youth and helping people have fun. And is it around Alberta or is it Edmonton-based for now? No, they're actually across Canada. There's Kids Up Front, YAG, and then there's a couple others across Canada as well. So yeah, there's a few branches. Jesse, what's your shout out? Other than seeing that you're going to not shout out Audible and then just think about Audible the whole time. I actually want to build on what Brianna was saying about fun. I am a big believer in that for children as well. I have enrolled my son in a program called uh, First Shift. It's through the NHL. I think Calgary has it. Edmonton has it. Red Deer has it. And it's amazing. It's something that you can start your kid in the sport, let them try it for a short period of time, and you don't have to commit to it. So it's like six times. I think it's a great platform to see if it's something that interests them. Because I think a lot of times people jump into things with their children and they don't end up liking it. They have a big expense up front or a commitment and then they're tied to it. So I'm looking forward to that. It's I think starts next week. And I think it's going to be a great opportunity to see if the kids like playing this game or if not, go try something else. Because I think the diversity of activities you do really shapes you as you grow up. I'm just a big believer in trying a lot of different things. So I'm excited to see how that goes. That is so cool. When I was in junior high, I was a part of a program called the Recreational Academy. Every afternoon, I don't even know how we were able to do this. Every afternoon, we went on a field trip to do different sports across the city. It was so cool. And I couldn't agree more that whether it be like sports or instruments or whatever group activities youth can get involved in, I absolutely believe that that shapes you as a person. So that's really cool. I want to know more about that. I wonder if that still exists. That's very cool. Okay, Nathan, your turn. Give us a shout out, my friend. I was trying to think of another shout out, but I'm afraid I can't. This is going to draw attention, but I am giving a shout out to Bruins Plumbing for almost fixing my furnace, but they're going to come and fix it today. And I'm very excited because it's 15 degrees in the house right now. They came without question. They were the original installers. It is a newer unit. They were just really good about it and good to work with. So 
local business in Red Deer and happy so far. Shout out to Nick. Nick's going to be here, I'm hoping, in the next 20 minutes or so to complete it. So if you start shivering, we know what's going on. <laughs> I guess better today than some of the other past weeks we've had for weather, but hopefully they get there soon and take care of you. I'm sure they will. This has been shout outs. I want to ask about the two thought leaders that you mentioned. Jesse, you seem to know who they are, but I don't. And I'll be honest, I was going to look them up and did not. So can you talk about them? There was a, I'm going to say it wrong, Heba or Heba? Heba Youssef is absolute. like, I wish we were besties. I love her so much. So she's part of a company called Work Week, and she writes a weekly article called I Hate It Here. She just is like so blunt and forward about what we need to do better as leaders and just HR professionals. She is saying what needs to be said in a very kind of funny and graceful way. But like if you're in the HR space or the people space, like you need to follow her. She is amazing. I watch her. She has webinars, I think every two weeks and I'm always on them. And I just think that she's fantastic. And the people that she brings on to speak are also fantastic. So if you are someone trying to challenge your thinking or kind of push to the next level, you need to follow her for sure. And then Christine Song, I discovered her on LinkedIn very shortly before I was promoted into the role I am now. And her content just like totally connected with me and fit where I was in that point in my life. Um, right now, she's the head of people for Nix. And so she has traditionally worked with tons of tech startups. And again, just like the content that she shares and her opinions and views of HR is where I think that the whole industry needs to shift to. I think that they're both phenomenal leaders in the space and everyone should follow. I subscribe on LinkedIn to them, follow them. They're awesome. Their content always cracks me up too. I think, I don't know. I think when you're in these kind of roles and you read it, you're just like, oh, that's so true. And it just kind of like tweaks the nerve or something, right? It just hits. Every week when I get Heba's newsletter, I'm like, should I forward this to everyone in our organization? Because they all need to read it. So you mentioned two thought leaders, just talking to Priyan these few minutes and knowing Jesse as well. It seems like there is almost a changing of the guard with employment, HR professionals, and how you view employment. Is that true? What's driving that change or what is the change? I definitely think that there's a shift in how people are viewing HR, the people space. Um, we used to be administrative and file changes and draft up offer letters. And those things are still important. Don't get me wrong. That's why I believe in automating what we can, because that's not how we should be spending our time. My thoughts are that HR is now at the table. For so long, it was like HR needs to get a seat at the table. Like I genuinely feel like in lots of organizations, HR has made its way to the table. So for me now, it's about we have this seat. What are you doing with it? If you're kind of stuck in compliance and doing what the rest of the leadership team is saying, I don't think that you should be in that role. I think that we need people in the role that are playing devil's advocate for the employees and fighting for a workplace that is positive and happy and healthy. Like we spend so much of our time at work. We have to make it the best we possibly can and surround ourselves with people and policies and processes that lift us up, not that tear us down and restrict us with red tape. That's my thought on HR. That's what I try to do every day is even challenge myself to break the norms that I'm used to and think like, how can I do what I'm doing better? And you know, what can we change here? And how can we better listen to our employees? What do they want from us? And how can we do that? That trend and another trend that it kind of builds on that, that I'm absolutely crazy about right now is seeing more and more HR folks and professionals going into 
COO roles into CEO roles because the understanding, and I think this is what you're alluding to, that business is all about people. So if you get a people leader that gets that and can operationalize values and do that, like that's the new trend that I'm amazed about. I definitely agree with that. I can see myself not being in HR forever. I love operations and like I can totally see how people in our profession are making their ways into different roles because I think that we just naturally build such strong foundations on how to manage people. If you can work on your other business competencies, like you're absolutely going to get to that role. Is it a drive or is this driven from younger HR professionals like you to you or is this driven by more of a overall trend or a need for a trend? I'm not sure I know the answer to that. There are just certain individuals. It doesn't really matter if they're younger or older, but there are just certain people that have identified that the way that we're doing things need to change. How are we possibly spending 20, 30, 40 years of our lives working in these organizations where we wake up every day and just don't want to do it? I think the people are just calling BS on that. And you know, we're in the role of being challenged to do something about it. Yeah, I think it's just time, you know, like there's been so much that's happened over the past even two years. It's just the amount of learning. It's been so much quicker. It's been escalated and we've grown so much as organizations. And I think that's exactly it, Brandon. We're just getting to this new realization that like all these things need to happen. They need to happen now. And it's like faster and learn faster and do it faster. But also with that human element in every part of the business that maybe was only its own standalone part once upon a time. Now it's how do you bring that into every single group, every single conversation? Like you were saying at the beginning of the conversation, those one-to-one meetings, how are all of those impactful? And that's where someone like yourself coaching your leaders, like you can have a tremendous impact across a whole organization. So I had a couple of things that I was curious about. So, you know, like generally we try and kind of steer clear of like, like we try and talk more about the ideas and, but I do have a question because of the unique nature of your organization. Like, has that escalated your growth or has it taken longer because of that? Because you had to figure out those different scenarios than if say, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think you've worked in what I'll say are more traditional organizations before this. I don't know, like, how do you see that in terms of your learning or someone else's learning going from one type of organization to another that's maybe a little bit more multiple business units, multiple locations? My experience is so interesting because I was given the opportunity to start consulting while I was still in university. That's how Jesse and I met. I remember like my first day of consulting. I'm like 20 years old, never worked in a corporate office. And they're like, okay, we're sending you to a client. And I was like, today? Are you sure? (laughs) And so, pretty much from day one, you know, was totally in my favor because I work well in the unknown. But pretty much from day one, I've been uh, figuring it out as I had to. And I've worked in lots of different industries and worked with lots of different leaders and people throughout my. I don't want to give away my age too much, but I haven't had the longest career yet. You know, I'm still pretty early in what I'm doing. I definitely feel though that COVID and what I've done here at Orange Theory has totally just like tripled the speed of my growth. COVID was really interesting for the fitness industry. We were opening and closing every couple of months, uh, especially like we operate in different provinces. So different provinces were all over the place. We had different rules and regulations that we were trying to work within. And it was a lot. And I just thrive in that. I thrive in the unknown and I thrive under pressure. You know, similar to when I had the opportunity to step into the role I'm in now. I've grown a lot and learned a lot very quickly. 
working in a business with, you know, units across the country, sorry, is definitely different than just working in one office where I can walk to everyone's door and see them and call them and and know how they're doing. I haven't met probably three quarters of our employees. So I have to be really cognizant of how I communicate with them and how I build relationships with them because building relationships remotely is very, very hard. I jump on Zooms with people as often as I can to try to get like FaceTime. I call people whenever I can rather than emailing them. I think it just makes a big difference in building trust. You know, we're really lucky where our organization really values our HR team and really uses us as a resource. So it takes a lot of work, though, to continue to maintain that relationship. But that's the absolute most important thing to me is being an HR team that people feel they can come to. So it is challenging, but it's really rewarding as well. You kind of mentioned about benefits that employers are trying to offer and adapt to remain competitive. So pay and things like time off, what are the things that maybe you practicing or at least looking at doing? I think that there are lots of really great benefits out there right now. I also think that lots of employers are trying to jump on trends before thinking through what it is they're doing. I think that lots of the benefits are great by all means. Unlimited vacation, like that's really cool. But you have to figure out how you're managing that. Like there has to be tons of boundaries and expectations and, you know, walls that are built around that. You can't just launch something like that without really thinking through how is that going to look. But there's tons of different benefits out there. I'm seeing like paid lunches and paid breakfast. Paternity. Have you heard of that one where they're employers will pay uh, when you get a new puppy or a new cat or whatever it is to take some time off with them. That's a benefit that I'm seeing a lot. Remote work in general or the hybrid, I don't know if we want to call that a benefit, but I think at this point it is a benefit because some employers are going back to fully in office. That's a benefit. But again, like you have to make sure as an organization strategically, you're like really understanding the implications that some of these benefits can have on you. And like there are some legalities behind some of this stuff. So you can't just implement it because you want to keep up with the times. Absolutely do need to keep up with the times, but you have to make sure you do your due diligence. Well, and I think you need to know what people want, right? Like that's number one, because if it's not going to motivate your team or be an actual benefit to them, that doesn't matter, right? And I think that's a big piece of it. It's really that understanding of what people want in the organization. And also, I mean, being in HR, we want to Make sure that it drives performance, right? So it's like they enjoy it. It helps them with their mental health, let's say, and it makes them perform better because they're this or that, right? All those things got to play a part. But yeah, I'm seeing some cool stuff too. I like what you said though. That's so true. Like, don't just jump on a trend. Do your research. Make sure it makes sense for your business. Tell me more about the hybrid workplace. Where do you think that's going? Oh, I'm seeing so many different views on it out there. I am pro hybrid specifically. I definitely see the perks of being remote. That wouldn't work for me personally. I'm actually in office five days a week by choice. Um, We have a hybrid work model for our corporate office here. I thrive better when I'm in office. I've just learned that that's what worked best for me after being in COVID and being fully remote for so long. But I personally think that hybrid will probably stick for a lot of companies. Although I've seen, you know, lots of government employees and, you know, Blue Cross companies like that mandating more and more back in office just because for Edmonton specifically, like our downtown is a little bit sad out there and lots of people are on edge right now and it's hard to be an employer. Definitely like different industries have been hit worse than others. We're seeing tons of layoffs in the tech space. It's really unfortunate, but I think that people are on edge and as an employer, you need to 
reinstate faith where you can in, in your people. I believe in as much transparency as possible and just making sure that we're offering benefits that exactly like you said, Jesse, like that reflect what people actually want and hopefully keep people on, on board as long as possible. But really just instilling faith in where you're at as an organization. And if you do have to go through layoffs, like do them properly and make sure that it's really thought through. And it's so unfortunate to have to go through that. If you are in that position, you know, hopefully you're offering whoever it is as much support as possible to get them into their new opportunity. Yeah, help their transition. Do what's right. I always say, you know, we've got to manage the business and the cost and all that makes sense. But you got to do right by the person. And do the best you can. Obviously, you can give them everything. But like you said, maybe there's things that you can do, supports, tools, whatever else that you can do that aren't necessarily going to cost the business you know, a tremendous amount either. I like that a lot. That hybrid work thing is coming up a ton. The only consistent answer I ever hear is that it's not going to go back to full and it's not going to go back to fully remote. We're more or less hybrid workplace. A lot of our team nationally is remote. Our team specifically has been very hybrid, but what you lose is you lose those interactions that aren't work-related. It just, then what is the solution? And I've thrown out the idea to everybody that we do like a weekly or monthly lunch or something. Just do a Friday lunch. Let's all go out the rest of the week. We don't have to talk to each other if we don't want to. Yeah, right. Even in a fully remote environment, yeah, I have a couple of friends who work in that space and you have to be really intentional about communication and having like coffee chats with different employees and still creating that community. You can do it by all means, but it is challenging and it's different. It is different than being in person and it'll work for some people and some organizations for sure. And there's tons of opportunities to do it out there. But yeah, for me personally, I'm, I like the hybrid approach, even if it's just like one or two days in office a week, I like feeling people's energy in that way. For sure. The option is nice though. Like good example is actually the plumber just showed up Thank goodness. So I wouldn't have that if I had to go to the office. So where all those kinds of things, you know, dealing with even the odd day, you have a sick kid or something that you just can't go in. And instead of finding childcare or taking a vacation day, I can still work pretty well a full day and be productive. And that option is nice, but I don't think it's worth it at the price of losing connection and losing camaraderie and trust and all of the other things that you get with it in person. Again, it's just people like adults, right? Like if you have a doctor's appointment, Go to your doctor's appointment, like do your thing, be flexible with your employees, right? I was talking with a friend a little while ago and they were about due to have a, a child and he gets like two days, I think, of off work and then he's going to be back at work. And he asked for a third day at his own cost or something like that because it's non-paid day off. He just asked, like, can I have that third day, whatever? And they said no. And he's like, he was choking. He almost got in trouble for asking. And I was just, it was surprised. And I was like, man, I feel like I have it very good because like, our work is very good to us for that kind of thing. And it's very much understanding. I think a lot of places are beginning to be that way. That's scary. I mean, and you know, if you could reach out to that organization and give them a shake, like that's what I'd like to do. Like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> you know, like, it doesn't even make sense. My dad, I very vividly remember my parents had the exact same thing happen. And I was born on Christmas and my dad had to be at work the next day. Serious? I mean, granted, that was a number of years ago now, but still, come on. The next day? Just as a, a fun way to close it out, um, we like to throw a scenario and you see what you would do in a particular case. So would you rather have one day to help a small number of people in a profound way with your work or one day to help as many people in a small way with your work? I would rather 
have one day to help a small number of people in a profound way with my work. And the reason being is I would really hope that by impacting a few people profoundly, that it will have a bit of a trickle effect and impact more people as time goes on. And I even think of this when I'm like having really good coaching sessions. I'm like, oh, I hope that this coaching session one day trickles down to someone else and they've learned something from me that they're going to pass to their assistant manager, whoever it is. That's definitely my answer. I'd rather help small number of people in a profound way. I really like that actually a lot because I think, I think you nailed that you can help one person very meaningfully and it will have a bigger effect than just that one person. And we forget that sometimes get caught up in trying to put out too many fires. And, but you also contradicted yourself in your answer because in the end, you are helping more people. I just won. I won the game. I got the ultimate, the ultimate outcome. <laughs> Did you use Chad GPT for this? Is that what happened? <laughs> Nope, this is all up here. <laughs> we will have to bring you back, Librian. It was really super awesome to have you on and have you join us and give some wisdom to a few very a small number of people, which hopefully will trickle down into many, many more people. And we really enjoyed it. It was good to meet you. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Brianna. Take care. Oh, it was nice to meet you too. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. Go make it a great day. 